listening to another sermon podcast presented by Chelsea Presbyterian Church. Located in Chelsea, Alabama, we value community, fellowship, and love for people from all walks of life. For more information, find us online at www.chelseaprez.org or check us out on Facebook. As you know, uh, we have been looking at the book of John, the Gospel of John, uh, and now we're, we're fast-forwarding a little bit because we had Palm Sunday, and then last week on Easter, we looked at the idea of the resurrection of Lazarus uh, and, and Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, showing that he has the power of not only healing, but also life over death. And now... Uh, all the religious people as he's walking into Jerusalem, entering this holy city, all of them are wanting and conspiring to kill Jesus. They're not only wanting to kill Jesus, they're also wanting to kill Lazarus. And you can imagine why. No pun intended, he is living proof of Jesus' ministry at this point. And so, uh, as they go in, the religious people are doing everything they can behind the scenes and in, 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 in the open uh, to sway the people, the crowd, away from Jesus and his ministry. They're wanting, they're wanting uh, all proof that he can be the Messiah done away with. And so let's get back into the story and look at the interactions of Jesus and the people and the crowds as he's moving into the center of Jerusalem. If you have your Bible today, you can turn to John 12. It's going to be 44 through 50, but as always, it's printed in the order of worship uh, in that way. So let's look at, look at verse 44. Jesus cried out and he says, Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. 46 says, I have come as a, in the world as a light, so that any, whoever believes in me may not remain in the darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge them. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken about my own authority, but the Father who has sent me himself, sent, given me a commandment of what to say and to what to speak. And I know this commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father God, uh, help us to see more, a bigger picture, a, a more nuanced understanding of who Jesus is. Every time through John, We've been confronted with something new about Jesus. Lord, open our ears, open our eyes, that we would see what is it that you want us to learn about your Son, and in turn, learn about you, so that we can worship you, so we can enter into a deeper relationship and a friendship with you. Please grant that in Jesus' name today, and according in, in, with your Holy Spirit's power. Amen. So we've been kind of through a journey here in John. Uh, in our study of John, we've, we've followed Jesus really all over the place in this area, by the Sea of Galilee, to the outcast of Samaria, uh, to the hillsides of Judea, and now he's going into the holy city at the time, which is Jerusalem, a place fit for a king, for the Christ, for the Messiah. This is where he's supposed to be. 
the Savior of the world. And make no mistake, Jesus will be coronated, but not in the way that everybody expected. He'll be coronated by way of a cross, exalted by the way of execution, and instead of a crown of gold, it's going to be a crown of thorns. But even his disciples, his closest friends, did not understand how he was ever going to be able to pull this off when they showed up to the city of Jerusalem because there was so much opposition there. Last week, the disciples were even worried about coming to the general area. Remember the last time they tried to kill us? Let's not go back there again. And now they're at the religious center where they are most hated at this place. Just coming in looking like a bunch of renegades, surrounded by rumors that, they're, that they, as people that follow Jesus, are trying to overthrow the Roman government and trying to get rid of the Jewish uh, religious institution. It is a lose-lose situation for Jesus and his disciples. And it's so easy to understand. And so easy for us to misunderstand Jesus in the same way uh, that the crowds of people and his own disciples did. Because it's not the fault of Jesus, but it's created by our own shortcomings and our ignorance and our lack of faith. And this is what we're going to talk about today. The fact that we all ultimately find ourselves in life at some point either under the judgment of condemnation or a state of salvation. And neither one of these, and we're talking about today, neither one of those are probably going to look like what you think we're going to talk about today with that. So let's get right into it. We're going to look at three points here. We're going to talk about the proclamation made by Jesus, the promise made by Jesus, and then there's a commandment that he talks about here that's different than what you really think about commandments in, in, uh, in the Bible. So let's look at the proclamation. Jesus stands up in the middle of everybody. He knows the Pharisees are all around him. The crowds are there, and he cries out, it says, Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. Whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I remember when uh, I was in the fifth and sixth grade uh, in, in PE class. The teacher would, every time, come in, and they would pick two people to be the captains. And y'all know where I'm going with this. Some people are still traumatized by this. <laughs> so everyone lined up. I think it's a little hot or something. I don't know why it's rubbing so much. No, I, th I think it's fine now. I think it's my bad. So, y'all are like, you're about to tell a story. You're going to do that? Oh, yes. All right, so, they would, you know, I guess, you go in and pick these two captains. And all the kids in the class are there. Uh, and so, Everyone lined up. The captains picked the people that they wanted on our team. And it's a big deal because you're always watching who they're going to pick. And are they going to pick me next? And then, you know, some pick because that's their favorites, you know. Um, and um, some would pick because, like, this is the, these are the people that are best at whatever sport we're about to play. Uh, and so everybody's just analyzing the whole situation. And it's kind of a stressful moment for a young person. But we have kind of a similar situation here in Jerusalem. I mean, there's two teams here. And the religious folks are calling out to the crowd, it's time for you to pick teams. So the captains are not about to pick teams. The captains are there making an appeal. What team are you going to be on? So Jesus is also calling people out, but in a different way. But now everyone around him, and we're going to see this from this point on, become more and more cowardly because they're more and more afraid. 
of what it's going to look like. Even to the end, you know what his disciples are going to do. They're going to reject him, his best friends, at the end. So this is kind of the beginning of that process there. But they're all, everybody's kind of cowering down. They're in Jerusalem. The religious and government leaders are all watching now. And just to be clear, Jesus is saying some things today that are going to separate the men from the boys, the believers from the unbelievers, saying, now is the time. Either you do or you don't. And understand that I'm somebody from God. There's no, no neutrality here. The religious leaders are threatening the people, but Jesus is saying something different. Jesus says to him, to them, first of all, to believe in me is to believe in God. Also meaning vice versa. Don't say you believe in God, but not believe in me. He's saying if we truly believe in God, we have to believe in Jesus. We have to recognize him for who he truly is. And if we have seen Jesus, he's saying you have seen the one who sent me. God himself, the Father. We're not left. You ever think about this? We're not left trying to figure out God like he's some vague cloud or father time up there. We're just kind of trying to read his mind. This is not a guessing game. Knowing Jesus is to know God. Jesus reveals the heart of the Father better than any other thing, any other person, any other words that you will ever see in your life. Knowing God is not a guessing game. There's a lot of, a lot of religions, different religions in the world that believe a lot of various things about uh, Christ and, G and God. But as believers, we don't sit around saying, you know, to me, God seems like this. Or, I want God to be this way. And the God the Father clarifies who He is by giving us His Word in the Bible and the Word that becomes flesh. It's not a guessing game. We only have to look to Jesus because He perfectly reveals the Father, the person of the Father, and the heart of the Father to us in a real way. See, unlike what people say, religion is not what divides people. It's just simply not. Religion is not what divides people. Jesus is what divides people. He's the dividing line between judgment and salvation, between believing and unbelieving. We are either saved or we're condemned. The Bible is very clear on this. Anyone who believes in Jesus Christ, believes in God, sees God, and understands the Father, and there are promises that are attached to that. He's about to talk about it. Look at second, the promise. He says in verse 46, I have come into the world as light. So whoever believes in me may not remain in the darkness. That's what we talked about before. You don't have to guess. It's not some gray cloud here. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge them. Or I do not come to the judge, uh, judge the world, but to save the world. <clears throat> anyone who rejects me does not receive my words as a judge. The word, the word that I spoke, have spoken, will judge him on the last day. It's fascinating to me. Jesus is not just calling to those that believe or calling out to those. He's also talking to those that don't believe in the crowd and in, you, in, in this crowd. And, but it's interesting what he says. He says, I am not here to judge you. My words will judge you. More than that, what you do with my words are judging you. You're going to judge yourself. Now, the funny thing is, over the years, I've realized that people have a weird view of hell and Judgment Day. And here's what I mean. I hear the notion that people think the final days, 
that God's up there and people come and he says, you're going to hell. And he picks them up and says something in Latin or Greek or some Hebrew or something like that. And they go, ah, no, don't send me there. That's not it at all. That doesn't sound common, but because it is. Here's what I mean. People are not going to go kicking and screaming to hell in the final days. The biblical view of hell is different. Listen very carefully. No one's going to be forced to hell. Everyone that goes will choose it, and they're going to have everything they want. Meaning, people when they are judged by God in the last days, God's going to give them exactly what they want. What do they want? They want life without Jesus. They want life without God. They want everything they want. They just don't want God in the mix. They want the pleasures of life, but, but they also want it without Jesus, and God's going to grant that to them. Like you can have everything you want. He turns them over, the Bible says, to, a, to a, a, a reprobate mind and just this idea that you can have what you want. Will they be miserable? You better believe they're going to be miserable. Will they be forced? Not at all. Every day in hell, they will be allowed to pursue all the things they thought would make them happy. And every day, they're going to wake up in a state of unfulfillment and misery for all eternity a day after day after day, and it will be like a consuming fire that they can't put out. The worst kind of fire, not just fire on the outside, in your soul. But there's something positive to what Jesus is saying here. It's connected to a promise. To believe in Jesus is to escape the darkness. Jesus came in the world as a light into the world, as a light in the world. He opens our eyes, and unless he opens our eyes, we can't see it. He opens our eyes to whom God really is, that He is really for us. He shows an option of life and relationship and friendship with God. And if you've experienced that, praise God for that. Praise God for that. That's grace in your life to have you see that, that clearly of who God is and who Jesus is. It's not what you did. He gave you that sight. He gave you that light to see that. Praise God every day for it. Let's look at our last point. The commandment. He says, verse 49, For I have not spoken of my own authority, but the Father has sent me, who has sent me to himself, has given me a commandment, what to say and to what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. You see, he keeps going back and saying, it's the Father. It's by his authority. I'm representing the Father. He keeps pointing him to that way. When we think about commandments, most of the time we're thinking of the thou shalt not to the Bible, right? But this is um, of the Ten Commandments. But Jesus is saying that he brought a commandment to end all commandments. The commandment that he and his Father were actually talking about before the beginning of the world as they existed together as Father and Son. So what is this commandment? Well, early in his ministry, and we've seen this already, Jesus was asked what the best and highest commandment was. And it's not a negative commandment. He's, it was a positive commandment. He said, it's love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Summed it up. It's a command of love. But the second here, command he's talking about, is a command of life, eternal life. The Father gave Jesus a special commandment to give words to people that would bring about life. A living word that would resurrect people and their soul and in their body. The Father says to Jesus, you say that and your words will bring life for, uh, to death or from death. Just like the physical life that we saw uh, with him raising Lazarus from the dead last week, what did he say? Lazarus, come out, life from death. 
But more importantly, what he's talking about here is more than physical death, but spiritual death. Spiritual life from spiritual death. A commandment that God gave the Son to speak into people's lives and bring forth life. So let's sum this up a little in the end here. See, Jesus is not just merely one way to God or one option among many who are trying to figure out who God is. You know, to see Jesus is to see God. If you don't see Jesus, if you don't see Jesus, or you don't believe in Jesus, you don't believe in God. There's only one way to God, and that's through Jesus. We must be insistent to ourselves and to our heart that there's not another way. It's not up to us to work through this. We can't work hard enough to get to the Father. We can't get to the point where we, we, we earn God's love. It's only through Jesus that we can do here. The only way to truly see and to know God is to believe in Jesus alone for life, here and now, and in the future. And if not, it's to the detriment of our souls. Because we're either, as I said before, either we, will, we live and die in a state of everlasting condemnation, being left alone in our own misery, or in a state of salvation, being rescued for a relationship and friendship with God, eternal life to the fullest. And the person of Jesus is the dividing line between those two states. So here's the ending question today. Do you really believe in Jesus, what he did in life and death and resurrection as your only hope? Do you really believe that he's the only answer to all your life's problems and situations? Also, if you do, thank God for that, number one. Number two, with whom can you share that good news with over the next few weeks? If you've experienced that, a heart of gratitude says, I want other people to experience this too. I, I was living in darkness, now I'm in the light. I want other people to see this light. So think about these things as we come to the table today. Let's pray. Oh yeah, thank you for sending your son so we're not just grappling around in the dark or just left our, our own devices of just imagining any other God that was just a false God. You give us clarity, Lord. Help us to study your word and look to the person of Jesus to clarify that so that we can come into a deeper and deeper and deeper relationship with you as our Father. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've enjoyed today's sermon. We want to remind our listeners that our doors are always open at Chelsea Presbyterian Church, and we invite all our listeners to join us for worship. You can visit us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at Chelsea Middle School. To hear more of our sermons from our church or for more information, you can find us online at www.chelseaprez.org or check us out on Facebook.